you know, we need our sovereignty, we need our sovereignty, we need our sovereignty. But many people don't actually understand that what that means. And so I want to share with you today a little bit about what that means, uh, especially from a yogic perspective. Welcome to the Solace and Shine podcast. This podcast is part of an online community at solaceandshine.ca. It is a platform for those yearning to remember their true purpose. We are coming to you from Ishtadev Niwas Ashram in the Purcell Mountains of beautiful British Columbia, Canada, within the unceded territory of the Tanaha Nation. The Solace and Shine podcast dives into teachings from the soul's ancestral roots. The teachings are here so that we may embrace the human experience and live it with beauty, courage, and creativity. These teachings will make you want to lean in and shine wholeheartedly together in community. Allow me to introduce to you our host and guide, Sanyasi Shivani. Shivani has worked as a medium and a spiritual teacher for the last 20 plus years. Through her dedicated practice as a renunciant and a teacher of yoga, she guides community through all aspects of living and embodying spirit through foundations of love, service, yoga ecology, and elevated esoteric teachings. Are you ready to embody your light? Welcome to the Solace and Shine podcast. Hello, this is Chai, a longtime student of Ishtadev Niwas, and I am so excited to introduce this episode. Sovereignty, sovereignty, sovereignty. You know you are ready to learn something when you are actively seeking it out. And I have been actively seeking, listening, and trying to figure out what this thing, sovereignty, is for about the past two years now. And here is the explanation that I have been waiting for. Sanyasi Shivani explains what sovereignty actually is, where we can go to develop it, and how important it is to have to live a life in freedom. She explains first that we need to understand what Swadhisthana Chakra is, and that we need to master our relationship with our emotions. Knowing that our emotions are not who we are and that they are simply experiences, human experiences that our ego, our filter, can observe and record. And until we are able to witness and watch our emotions, we are so easily manipulated in this world. Then, Sanyasi Shivani explains the next thing needed to be sovereign within ourselves is that we develop our own personal, unshakable relationship with the divine. And she ties it all together with what has been going on in the world for the past 500 years in terms of power over and how things are changing as more people come into their own personal sovereignty and make small changes that create a new reality. So, as you listen to this episode, listen for a few key words and phrases. Here they are. Easy pickings, two-year-olds, divine, teacher, queen, codependency, the word just, ego, filter, ignorance, consistency, clarity, discipline, and the gem of your being. Oh, and one more, broccoli. 
Towards the end of the episode, Sanyasi Shivani gives us a story of her first experience of ashram and learning about her own sovereignty. It is a fantastic example for all of us, and I am sure you are going to enjoy. Hello, beautiful people. Shivani here from solaceandshine.ca. Today, I've been asked to talk to you about the term sovereignty. It's something that's getting super bantered around, which is fantastic. It needs to be. Uh, but it's being really uh, shared as like a, a catchphrase, a catchword right now. It's very popular about, you know, we need our sovereignty, we need our sovereignty, we need our sovereignty. But many people don't actually understand that what that means. And so I want to share with you today a little bit about what that means, uh, especially from a yogic perspective. And so... In days gone by, um, the term sovereign, okay, it's going to probably be the easiest way to put it in terms of the Queen of England. Uh, the Queen of England has always been called the sovereign. And what the sovereign means is that there is nothing higher between the sovereign and God. There's nothing higher. So you have your peasants. Uh, you've got your commoners, then you've got your um, uh, elite, and then you've got uh, the gov- the governance or the, the government, um, which has the rules and regulations, but the rules and regulations have been bought out of what the church has decided is the moral code for the times, and the head of the church is the sovereign. So, and then you have God. So for a peasant to get to God, it would have to appease the wills, of course, of which was always put in the, uh, the terms of thy will, of the divine will, um, through all of these other layers of consciousness or bandwidths or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, governance of people, right? These these bandwidths of people, the elite, the governance, the 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 um, the church, and then the uh, and then the sovereign, and so that is coming from a place where the term sovereignty has denoted something a that you can't get to because literally you don't have the blue blood. Um, and also something that has power over you. So God has power over you, then the queen has power over you, and then the church has power over you, and then out of the church comes the laws, and though they have power over you, and the Supreme Court has the highest of the laws that has power over you, and then the elite, because they have the money, because they're in bed with the laws and the governance, they have power over you. And so there's all these layers of having power over you, which means you never actually get to live in a reality where you connect or able to make decisions or live from a place of your own empowerment on the outside world. On the inside world, you're always able to, but that's not the reality that we have lived in for the last 500 years. You know, that's just not the reality. Um, so here we have this term sovereignty. And from a yogic perspective, 
sovereignty lives in Swadhisthan Chakra. Swadhisthan Chakra. Swadhisthan Chakra is the sacral chakra. It's the second chakra, right? So it's pretty low on the totem pole of consciousness of, you know, being able to embody it. Uh, sovereignty in terms of Swadhisthan Chakra, Swadhisthan literally means one's own abode. It is the seat of self. It is the it is the the seat or the home of Kundalini energy, which is the empowerment, the divine consciousness running through you. So Swadhisthan is the chakra where sovereignty comes from. Now, if you want to understand sovereignty, then you've got to understand the entire personality of Swadhisthan chakra. And that comes into peak joy experiences. Peak joy uh, connects to what we call Ragadeshwa or likes and dislikes. Uh, and connecting that also to uh, desires and connecting that to innate joy. Now, if the government, the, the church, religion, you know, can hold you in a state where you're constantly trying to find joy because you are in a depleted state of power over, therefore you are constantly in a state of trying to find happiness, trying to find your joy. And that means you're constantly in a state of peak joy experiences, of liking this and not liking this. Now, as soon as you're in a state where you are anchored into, I like this, but I don't like that, you are in the realm of duality and polarization, which is very easy pickings for you to be disempowered into a power, a power over paradigm. So the very first thing or one of the very first things after faith after that foundation of faith and trust in the divine not in god not in religion not in other humans not in teachers not in gurus not in anything but the divine the very first thing after that is to start to look at your emotional body because in swadhisthana chakra is the home of the pranamaya vayu which is uh your emotional body okay so pranamaya kosha, I should say, sorry, which is the home of your emotional body. And so your emotions swaying from liking and disliking and liking and disliking. I mean, we're an entire collective of two-year-olds running around trying to be happy. So you have to learn to become the witness. You have to become the witness of the emotions to watch the emotions and disidentify from the emotions just because you feel angry doesn't mean you are angry just because you feel sad doesn't mean you are sad just because you feel happy doesn't mean you are happy feeling something isn't an identification of who you are as a being you are that tatuamasi sub ek all one you are everything but when we identify with, I am happy, my action is going to be this. You are creating a reality out of your emotion. I am angry, so therefore I am going to behave in this way. That behavior anchors that emotion into creating a reality. And then you have to deal with that reality. So when you're able to disidentify your emotions from 
the uh, from the essence of who you are through living a simpler life, a more disciplined life, where it's like on Tuesdays we eat broccoli, but I don't feel like broccoli. Well, today is Tuesday, so we eat broccoli, right? It's like it doesn't matter what you feel like. This is what we know is going to create health, right? And this is where spiritual bypassing and all of that good stuff comes in because the ego is so tricky and is really able to be able to um, justify your behavior. And this is why you work with a teacher. This is why you have a teacher, right? Now, working with a teacher or having a guru does not disempower you. In fact, it should be the opposite because having a teacher that is further along on the path than where you are experiencing at this time is going to give you an opportunity to entrain to the space that they are able to hold so that you can get closer, so that you can unravel some of those likes and dislikes that you have holding over you. And this is the beauty, in my opinion, of ashram life because ashram life becomes this container of resonance that does not bend to your will. And therefore, it gives you the direct experience, not just the knowledge, not just the theory, not just the teachings, but it gives you the direct experience of being able to trust, being able to let go and experience what is there if you don't have the opportunity to live by the whim of your feelings. Now, when you've disentangled the identification of your emotions from the moment, from the flow of life force energy of who you are, then you start to come into the experience of innate joy. Okay, now just to step back one second in that the likes and dislikes, um, peak joy experience, of course, there's a lot of sexual energy in there as well. And there is also guilt and guilt and shame are two different frequencies. Guilt is when you feel like you've done something wrong. Shame is when you feel like somebody else thinks you've done something wrong. It's in the eyes of the other because that is the Giandria or the, the um, sense organ, the information organ for Manipura Chakra, which is the next chakra up. Anywho, I digress. Um, so guilt is in there. Now, as a, a woman who was born Catholic, they're very, very well aware of the Catholic guilt. But the Catholic guilt is a way of holding you in the shadow of Swadistan. So you can never feel the seat of power. You can never feel your home in the abode, one's own abode of Swadistan, because you're always guilty for your desires, right? But you're identified with your desires, so you can't actually unravel something that you haven't acknowledged. You can't witness something you're afraid to look at. And so it holds you in the cycle of power over. And that creates codependency. Because then you're constantly looking to the government, you're constantly looking to the church, you're constantly looking to the queen, uh, right? You're constantly looking to something external of yourself to feel okay. And that is codependency. Whereas if you behave a certain way, I will feel okay. If I behave this way and you approve of that, then I will feel okay. 
that is codependency where you are not okay unless something external of you is giving you permission to be happy. And so sovereignty is the opposite of codependence. Now in this reality, if you are living in a state of sovereignty, you have to realize that not all of reality is living in that state and therefore you still have rules and guidelines to adhere to that are coming from a mm, denser paradigm. And so therefore you are able to make decisions based on the wisdom and rationality of that knowledge to allow you to still stay in your sovereignty without mm, compromising. You make sure you create a reality where your sovereignty is intact within the constructs of the reality that you're living in. Knowing that as more and more people come into their sovereignty, that eventually the government, the religion, the whole structure will change. And that's what Pluto in Capricorn is doing right now. It's breaking down these structures, but it's going to take a long time. But that's why we have agreed to be adults at this time, assuming you're an adult while you're listening to this. Right? That's why we agreed to be adults at this time, because we have the awareness and the where for all and the youth on our side, uh, our vitality on our side, our strength on our side to stand up and say, I am going to stand here in my sovereignty and I'm not reliant on you to behave a certain way for my well-being. You know, a lot of people are paying a lot of money into things like government pensions and things like that because they assume that the government is going to have the funds to look after them and pay back to them in their old age. But we're living in a time where governments are shifting at the very core. Now, I'm not saying that we're not... Um, that the government will have nothing. I'm not saying that. I'm not very, being a fair monger. But what I am saying is that I don't live my life in dependency of somebody else keeping me safe. I don't live my life in dependency of the supermarket having food on the shelves. I don't live my life in dependency of... Um, you know, of there being gas at the gas pump, right? You make small changes and many, many small changes create a different kind of reality. It doesn't mean I don't go to the supermarket and buy food. But if there is nothing at the supermarket one day, not only am I going to be able to go home and still eat because I have had a garden, because I've remembered how to grow food, because I've remembered how to prepare food, because I've remembered how to preserve food, but I'm also going to be in a place where I can feed other people because it's not just about me being safe. Sovereignty creates the ability where it's not about your survival, but about your completeness so that you are able to stand in service. So, this sense of codependency 
when you come into your sovereignty is wiped out. So this is like the number one, I think, uh, awareness that you have come into some sort of state of sovereignty where you are no longer codependent thinking that there is something between you and God. Now, some people think that they are God and that is wonderful for them. Um, my experience of people who are, let shall we say, resonate at a frequency that is closer to the experience of the divine, uh, never have to mention it. Uh, so that's always a red flag for me when somebody says, but I am God. Well, then, then that is an oxymoron. I am is not God. God does not say I am because tatwamasi that thou art all is. There's no I in God. There's an O for, for the totality, the whole. Okay. So when you come into your sovereignty, this is really the launching pad for you to experience your power. The empowerment of your existence. And then once you have the experience of this empowerment of your existence, then you have something to surrender. You are able to surrender the ego's agenda. And then you align your heartbeats, your sovereign heartbeats to thy will. And that opens up an entire other channel of being in the foundation of the heart. Now, everybody's talking about, you know, the new earth and uh, uh, high fourth density, fifth density, uh, fifth dimensional realities. But a lot of people are speaking of it from a lower fourth and third density, fourth dimensional perspective. And I think that that's going to create a, a lot of head trips and I think it's going to create a lot of um, disturbing behavior because anybody right now, if I think that, you know, anybody saying, you know, this is the way has not seen the, the beauty of the moment. I don't know the way. I know what lights me up. I know what feels right with me. I know the signs that I'm getting from the divine about the decisions that I'm making about for my reality and the reality, the aspirations that I would like to hold of being able to live in my fullest purpose and potential in this lifetime. But I don't know the way. I just know what in this moment is resonating with more joy and more gratitude and more trust and more quiet and more love and more kindness and more generosity than some of the other decisions I could be making. So I think it's really important for us to get clear on what sovereignty is because sovereignty is not an ego expression because the ego will always 
align with its own survival. And right then, you're in ignorance because the ego does not exist for it. Therefore, it does not need to survive. It can't survive. It doesn't exist in the first place. It is a filter. It is a filter to be able to experience reality. Right? Um, so when we talk about sovereignty, we really want to get clear. Sovereignty is very quiet. Sovereignty does not bring attention to itself. It does not need anybody else's approval. See, the only reason the queen is sovereign is because the people say it's so. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I never met the queen. I have not met the king. So, you know, I, I don't know what they're like uh, as people. But there is definitely a disconnect between the place that they are aspiring to hold and the space that is needed to be held. There's a disconnect there. And I think that we're seeing the chasm of this disconnect um, more and more, which is just showing us the chasm we have between where we are and where our sovereignty is. So, well, people are like, okay, well, I need my sovereignty and then I'm going to live in the heart. Okay, that's a two-year-old saying they're going to get a PhD. <laughs> okay, like there is a lot of space between I'm going to get my sovereignty and I'm going to live in the foundation of the heart. There is a lot of space in there. There is a lot of internal orientation shifting. There is a lot of decisions. You're, you can't make those decisions and have your reality, your job, where you live, your home, and that stay exactly the same. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that because as you change your resonance on the inside, things on the outside are going to shift. Right? And a lot of people, they want change, but they don't want to change. Or they want to change, but then they don't want anything changing. Because changing is scary. Oh, there's fear. Right? We're back down to Muladhara Chakra. The first chakra of Muladhara of fear and trust and faith. Right? And then we have to build back up to sovereignty again in Swadhisthan. Then, once we have experienced the empowered capital S self, then we know what it is we are surrendering and why we're surrendering and how that surrendering actually creates a more beautiful expression of the divine on earth because that's what surrender needs to do surrendering opens the aperture so more light can come in and then in that light you're going to see more people helped more people healed more people fed more people um loved that's what surrender looks like. Surrender does not look like this power over um, 
slavery, surrendering when you don't have sovereignty is enslavement. If you don't have sovereignty and you surrender, you are becoming an enslaved being. When you surrender as a sovereign being, then you become empowered to become a portal of divine love on earth. It's two completely different realities, but there are a lot of very loud people out there that do not understand the difference, have not experienced the difference and only come from their own neuroses and their own shadow experiences of what surrendering is about. And that is fine. It's important to speak up when you have an experience that could uh, stop other people from getting hurt. I think that's important. But when people speak to it with such an authority of the shadow being the experience, I think we're missing a really big opportunity on earth because that is the bridge. The bridge of surrender is what takes us from fourth dimension to fifth dimension, from my will to thy will, from the sense of ego identification of Manamaya Kosha, the mind, into buddhi or the higher mind, the heart of Anahat Chakra and the foundation of to commune, to be with, to connect, to love, unconditional love. Like it's just so gorgeous. Oh my goodness gracious me. We are in the most delicious times of transformation. And the information is here. The, the connections are here. The beauty is here. The new earth is already here. We've got to be able to let go of the old codependent guilt, living in pure likes and dislikes and desires with power over us. We're, we're enslaved to mortgages. We're enslaved to jobs. We're, we're enslaved to marriages. We're enslaved to, we're enslaved to anything that is, well, I'll just do this and then it'll be okay. I'll just do that and then it'll be okay. I'll just get the kids to 18 and then I can get a divorce. I'll just, you know, get through the next year and then we can, uh, sell the house and, 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 uh, buy something smaller and not have such a big mortgage. We will just, that word just is the epitome of enslavement. And we've really got to take responsibility for our reality in order for us to have a chance of experiencing sovereignty where there is nothing between the self that is inside of me and the divine.
no person, no laws, no religion, no queen, no king, no monarch, no nothing. And that is a level of empowerment that I believe we are going to be able to come into. I have no earthly timelines, but I would say in my lifetime. I pray that we will be able to shift a tipping point of souls into a level of remembrance where we can come into such a deep sovereignty. And it's this sovereignty that allows people to live together in community. All these people in commun- want to live in community, but they don't have their sovereignty yet. You're just, you're just asking for a, a hard karmic lesson. So where do you learn sovereignty? Where in the West can you learn sovereignty? I, I personally don't know. If y'all know somewhere in the West where you can learn, actually actively learn to be sovereign, let me know. Because the only place I have experienced the level of light, the level of discipline, the level of clarity, the level of consistency, the level of compassion, the level of uh, power is in ashram. That, that is where I have been shown and where I have been given the opportunities to experience sovereignty. In fact, the first time I ever experienced sovereignty was in ashram, but it was my very first trip to ashram in 2006. And I was very codependent Oh my goodness, look up the Webster Dictionary. My face was under there, under codependence. And um, I really wanted the approval of anybody, really. Um, would have been great. And I was, I was there and I was, you know, it was a very strange world. You know, rural India, 2006. Uh, I had just done my teacher training. I was this little white 26-year-old in the middle of India, um, where everybody was very reverent to this master who I hadn't even met, um, who had not been seen for about six months. And, uh, and we had gone for a walk um, with the head Swami that had taken us, a sanctioned walk. Uh, around the around one of the villages and blah 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 and we're coming back and and I had asked a question of like which house it does the master live in and the Swami said to me the house there with the um with the with the thing on top I'm like the satellite dish and he's like, yeah, the one with the satellite dish on top. Well, to me, it was a it was a marker that was delineating the difference from one building to another. It was the only difference. It was uh, that white building or that white building. Uh, one building has satellite. The other building didn't have a satellite. And so I said, oh, it was the, the, the house with the satellite is where the master lives. And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And that was the end of the conversation. And then... About two days later, that same Swami came and he asked, pu- pulled me aside and 
um, basically tore a strip off me for being so disrespectful. And if, if the master wants to have a satellite, the master can have a satellite. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I do not care if he has a satellite or not. Like, who cares? You know, and um, and he's like, yeah, this person's complained about you, and I got a letter yesterday of complaining about something else you've done. But I'm like, but I didn't do that. And he got so mad with me about all these fictitious things that apparently I had said or I had done, but I hadn't done or said any of them, and I was devastated. I was really crushed that I was getting absolutely torn a strip off by the Swami who I respected and, and considered a teacher and uh, liked and wanted the approval of and, and that he was creating this narrative around me about how disrespectful I was and how um, out of alignment I was and yada, yada, yada. And... There was a switch that went off in me, and I remember it so clearly. And first of all, I cried, and then I sulked. And then this thought ran through my brain that had never run through my brain before. And it was, if this master of the ashram, this enlightened being, was all so omnipresent and omnipotent that everybody said he was, if he was so enlightened, then he would know what I had said and he would know what I had done and he would know that I hadn't said and I hadn't done all the things that this other Swami was accusing me of. And there was this power, the strength, this like force field that rose up inside of me that was like, y'all can go to hell. I know what I said and I know what I did. And if I know what I said and I know what I did, then you can do whatever you're going to do. But if I have that clarity and I know my heart, then that master, that divine being that y'all are so infatuated with is also going to know my heart and is also going to know what I said and what I did not say and really that's the only thing that matters now in this instance if you take that master with the aspect of a divine being or God that is the moment of sovereignty where I know who I am I know what I've said I know what I've done I will stand behind what I've said I'll stand behind what I've done I have that integrity I have that clarity I know my heart and I am willing for the rest of the world to shun me if I know that the divine is going to know the truth and that was the point of sovereignty and that Swami, I did not speak to for the rest of the trip. If he walked down the hallway, I turned around and walked the other way because I was not interested in his approval. I did not need him to, uh, you know, tell me that I was doing better or not doing better or apologizing or like I, I had no interest. I created a direct line from my heart to the foot of the divine 
And that was the only thing I was interested in from that point. And then we got on a train and we went to another ashram of the same lineage and we spent a couple of days there. And then I went to get in a car to go back to Canada. And that same Swami had come with us and that same Swami came up to me and said, sometimes I'm compelled to say things and behave in a way that is not kind, basically. Not his words, but let's just run with that. And in that moment, I had complete gratitude for him. Because if he didn't have the, the, the enough ability to stand aside from reasonableness and behave like a jerk, basically, I would never have had the experience of sovereignty. It was his bad behavior, basically, that gave me the opportunity to experience the sovereignty and to align to my sovereignty. And that has never wavered since that moment. And about three years later, I was in the same ashram, gone on my own steam. And uh, I was making, I was uh, serving breakfast at like six o'clock in the morning. And that same Swami came along and said, Namonarayan Madurga, in a very kind and very loving way that showed me you you have become whole you have become complete you are i see that you are not the sniveling codependent incredibly fragile person you were when i met you and uh and it was really beautiful so didn't exactly have a plan to share that story with you but I hope that that helps because not always the biggest the biggest shifts in consciousness don't always come through like this like full moon love fest they come through experiences where you're like what the hell and especially when you need to stand up on your own two feet not stand up to somebody because that creates conflict and then you are in a state of duality but stand up of your own two feet with the integrity, the trust, the faith, the discipline, and the sovereignty to stand behind your actions and to know that they are what you need to embody in this moment, no matter what the world is saying. And that if you know your heart, and you will stand behind your actions with kindness and with love, not with righteousness or anger, but with love and with kindness and stand behind your actions. You will feel the empowerment of sovereignty. And as the Swamis used to say, how can you surrender if you don't know what you are surrendering? If you haven't held the gem of your being how can you know how to offer it or why to offer it or when to offer it 
so that it illuminates the divine on earth. So have a beautiful day. I hope that this gives you a little food for thought on sovereignty. I'd love to uh, hear your comments, your questions. Um, don't hesitate to, uh, if you'd like to sign up for our, subscribe to our updates, go to solaceandshine.ca. I'm very excited about Roots and Wings that is coming up in April, which is the seven month immersion with me where I'm going to be guiding us through me not from me but through me we're going to be going on a journey together for seven months of anchoring deeply into the roots of self so that we can explore and play and be curious with our wings of spirit so namon ryan i love you very much and have a beautiful day Thank you for joining us in our Solace and Shine podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share it. We would love to hear what inspired you. And if you have any questions or topics that you would like for us to explore, please leave a note in the comments. Also, if you would like a daily dose of connection and raising of your frequency, join us on We Are, our online community. You can find the link in the podcast description. Follow the link and you will receive two weeks for free. See you soon. And don't forget, soften and expand.